That's a catch! You're out, LaFleur! We've already said... Welcome, Pewter Report readers, listeners, and viewers to another edition of the Pewter Report podcast, energized by Celsius. I am John Ledyard from PewterReport.com on a wonderful Victory Monday, and Scott Reynolds, also from PewterReport.com, is joining me today on the show. And it's a very, it's a, it's an interesting show, Scott, because it's exciting because. We're talking about the Bucs and the playoffs and another win and Tom Brady's MVP candidacy. But then there's also this fact, Scott, that Antonio Brown no longer with the Bucs. And that's obviously going to dominate a lot of the conversation that we have uh, today on this show. Yeah, no doubt about it, John. It's it's, uh, it's certainly been a, a whirlwind uh, 24 hours for the Buccaneers. And uh, the crazy thing is, is I, as I wrote about in my two-point conversion, which is now on PeopleReport.com, you know, I, I, we said it yesterday. I've never seen... A, a player go from hero to villain as quickly as Antonio Brown did within the Bucks community. But his his absence on the field, once he left, the Buccaneers scored 18 straight points and a new hero was born yeah. in Cyril Grayson. And, and listen, time will tell if Cyril Grayson becomes anything more than just a footnote to this game. Right. Right. Um, I'm not saying this guy's going to be, you know, the starting caliber player or whatever, but. Right. He's at least performed to a, a reasonable degree these last two games, really stepped up and, and played consistent football when the Bucs have needed with 81 yards at at, uh, at Carolina and 81 yards in place of number 81 yeah. yesterday yeah. at New York. So uh, it's it's from a, from a storytelling standpoint, it's certainly an interesting um, juxtaposition where you know this team loses AB but essentially gains Cyril Grayson um, certainly not anywhere close to the talent level of AB. They're going to miss AB. There's no doubt about it. And mm-hmm. we're going to get into that, John. How, yeah. does, how does this team move forward without AB right. and, of course, without Chris Godwin entering the playoffs? Right. And, and it's all going to be brought to you by our friends over at Celsius, obviously. Celsius powers active lives every day with essential functional energy. I've got the peach vibe here. I had it yesterday, too. No sugar, essential energy. It accelerates your metabolism and burns body fat. Not only are they the best tasting energy drinks, Scott, but they also have they're good for you. You know, they don't have any yes. of the bad stuff you'll find in a lot of the other energy drinks. And so that's why there's no crash, John. Yeah, there's no crash either after it, which is is great. Um, and honestly, look at the amount of flavors that they have: strawberry guava, wild berry, Fuji apple pear, orange, orange sickle, tropical vibe, peach vibe. There's so many different flavors that they have. You can check them all out, by the way. Go to Celsius.com. You can see what flavors they have and what stores they have at near you. Uh, and you can also use the banner ads at PeterReport.com to, to find out more about it or do the Amazon subscribe and save option as well and get Celsius coming to your house with regularity so you can enjoy these tasty, wonderful beverages. All right, Scott, uh, let's dive into the Antonio Brown saga in terms of what we've learned today and just offer some of our final thoughts on this. I know some people probably don't want to talk about this all week, and we don't plan to, but we need to talk about it today. It's a huge news uh, across the NFL, and it's we're still something we're still figuring out. So we've got to talk through it and and dispel as many of the false narratives as we can. I think you and I are pretty much on the same page with with a lot of this stuff. But this word comes out today in Rappaport's out there saying – Antonio Brown was actually hurt and they were trying to put a hurt player back in the game. And Oh my, like, you know, Antonio Brown actually like, you know, he, he was angry about that. And right. Bruce Arians gets up 
not unexpectedly to either of us and says, says I have no idea what you're talking about. Brown never said right. anything about being hurt. That's not surprising to us considering he was warming up at full speed. He gave it yeah. a go Saturday and wanted to play and was active out there. He was warming right. up full speed and going crazy out there. He looked great when he was out on the field and he ran off the field just fine, jumping up and down yeah. in the end zone, waving to everybody. So that, I don't know. That, to me, that kind of destroys the narrative, right? That it was about his, his ankle. If he's kind of hopping and skipping and, and jogging off the field. Yeah. And, and it was clear from Arian's presser today when he was for asked that at the very beginning, he was like, I don't know what you're like that didn't happen. Like that right. was just not brought up like on the sideline at all. That wasn't a part yeah. of the discourse. And so you could choose people could choose who they want to believe. Yeah. I mean, I'm just saying track records here is on one I'm guy's side. Bruce Arians, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I think so. <laughs> um, so you know, I think that you know, I think I what I appreciate about what Brett what Arians and Tom Brady have said is that they are you know, Arians is not going into detail about the specifics of the conversation between Ian and Antonio Brown. Yeah. And that doesn't, people don't like that because people want answers. Uh, and they act like Arians is like, they should, they're entitled to answers from Arians for some reason. Yeah. If you want to argue that Arians should be entitled to answer for moral reasons as to why that team signed Brown in the first place, maybe you can argue that, but it's a separate right. conversation. I mean, it you're is, asking, right. You're asking why Arians should be – you're entitled to answers from Arians about what happened on the sideline in that game. You're just not. I would love to get him too. But if we don't get all right. the answers from Bruce Arians about what happened on that sideline, that doesn't make Bruce Arians a liar. It just makes him right. a head coach who doesn't dispel everything that happens. And that's his yeah. prerogative. He has that it, priority if he wants to take it. You're right. To not dispel it. And Brady is the same thing when he gets up there. He doesn't have right. to talk in detail about his conversations with Brown that may or may not have happened during that game. Yeah. Neither of those pe people, figures on this organization are beholden to having to, to to say more than they've said about the subject of Antonio Brown. And part of that, Scott, might be out of respect for Antonio Brown and what that guy's That's going right. through, which I think was indicated by both of them saying, not going to go into details about it. I hope that he reaches out to people and has people around him that get him the help that he needs. Like, we can read between the lines a little bit here and just say, yeah. like, they don't want to talk about it in depth because this is part of it and it's, sure. it's personal in, in their mind for Antonio Brown and what he's going through. You're exactly right. And there's also another component to this too, is, is that there's going to be a grievance filed, right? I mean, there just is. And so uh, anything that's said in, in the public, whether it's at a press conference or social media or, or whatever is, uh, or in an interview, like, you know, Bruce Arians had with, with Peter King is, is, is evidence. It, it can be used when they have those special masters at the NFL with, where they try these types of grievance cases. And, um, and so guarantee you the Bucks are collecting everything that AB is doing and saying social media and AB's uh, camp, whether it's attorneys or his agent or whatever, is doing the same thing with regards to press conferences and all those stuff too. So yeah. um, whenever money's involved, you can bet that the lawyers are going to be at work at this. So there is another component to this too, John. I think you're right. I think that Brady and Bruce Arians do have some compassion for this guy and, and they'd like to see him get, get some help. And it, and it, it appears if you followed AB on social media with his antics, with, mm -hmm. with, with the, the, the legal realm that he's in, been in, entrapped or not entrapped, but entangled in his own doing, not, not entrapment, but yeah, but um, the, there's something amiss here. Right. Right. And, and, and I think that, that the other element of this is, is the legal aspect because this is not over the Buccaneers to our knowledge. And even Bruce was, was asked today, is he going to be released? And he said, that's, that's a Jason call. And we've put some, 
some some texts into the powers that be at, at one Buccaneer place at the Advent Health Training Center, and and it's kind of the same thing. It's it's they're debating whether they want to put him on a suspended mm-hmm. reserve list or if they want to cut him outright. I, I'll remind some of our older viewers and uh, Buck fans out there that the Buccaneers did a similar thing with Keyshawn Johnson in 2003 when he and John Gruden had several heated blowups, including one on net on a, a television during the sidelines of a game. Keyshawn Johnson was suspended by the team for the last couple of games in the 2003 yeah. season to, for, for conduct detrimental to the team. The, the difference is when you're suspended, you still get paid. And mm-hmm. when you're cut, then obviously you don't. So, Yep, that is the difference. And that is a key difference. And we'll see if the team factors that are obviously being at the end of the season. Perhaps that isn't as, as big of a factor to them. I, I don't think they think any other team is going to pick them up. We certainly don't think that. Um, but we'll see. Terrence Davis says, I just feel like people aren't talking enough about the top NFL reporter <laughs> totally contradicting a coach on a huge issue like this. He's speaking, of course, of, of Ian Rappaport. And I don't I, people may not be talking about it that much, Terrence, <laughs> but for people like Scott and I, like there's just not much to say. Like we know Ian Rappaport gets his information from agents and from Antonio yes. Brown's agent in this situation. Two sides to different stories. Right. And, and, and listen. That's, they're going to do what they got to do to spend the story in, in their favor. So there's not much to say. It's not like this is the first time this has happened right. before. It's happened before. Rappaport and Schefter both do this. Yeah. You just got to read between the lines. I, I got caught up in a similar type of situation. And reporters, listen, you're going to get information from two different camps with two different viewpoints on whatever subject matter this is. This is obviously AB and what transpired yesterday. I, I remember distinctly what happened back in 2013 with Josh Freeman. Right. Mm-hmm. I was having conversations with Josh Freeman's father about uh, what what was being said from from that point of view, from his yeah. camp when 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 he got you know suspended and ultimately released by Greg Schiano and Mark Dominic. Mm-hmm. And then I was getting I was getting news right from Mark Dominic and Greg Schiano. Mm-hmm. So it's like a, you're, you're getting what you would think are credible, reliable sources. I mean, it doesn't get any like better than, mm-hmm. than those two people because. Right. Josh's dad almost served as like a pseudo agent for him, very involved in Josh's career. And um, and then it's just a matter of what do you report? What can you know, who do you believe that that type of thing? And mm-hmm. a lot of it's just he said, she said. And, and usually the truth is somewhere in the middle. It is often. And, and you know, in this situation, there's the added layer of the history with AB, the recent history with AB, which matters. You know, it'd be one thing if this stuff was 10 years ago, but the recent history with AB has pretty much just been troubling across the board. You know, and, and we know of little things that happened last year in the in the in-between offseason, things like that, that were not like so concerning, like don't re-sign this guy or don't have this guy be a part of your locker room at all, but yeah. were concerning enough to know that like AB's complete one like he didn't do a complete 180 from the player that flamed out of of new england and pittsburgh and 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 las vegas and all this but like that we knew that that hadn't happened you know so it it wasn't that this was totally shocking to be honest it was it was a little bit shocking that it happened in a game against the jets i think i said to to Britt uh before the game you know it was that morning i was like this this should be one of the more uneventful games of the year like probably won't be anything crazy that happens <laughs> you have like all this stuff on. i just didn't expect it to boil up in a game against the new york jets yeah but ab getting to this point yeah not surprising at all um to someone who's, who's been around him for for a good bit of his career um not surprising to me at all that it came to this and and so some people in the chat are saying you know AB's yesterday's news, you know, let, let's move on. Let's talk about the ripple effect and how the Bucs are going to win another Super Bowl. And we are going to talk about that for sure. Yeah. But this stuff also needs to be addressed because there's a lot of layers to this in terms of we, figuring out, like, 
hey, is the team trustworthy? Is the team handling these situations right? And I, I understand the fact that even though I, I, I think you and I feel very confident in, in saying that, you know, this is a B situation. That's where the blame sure. is to lie. I think we need to, yeah. to address that and talk about that because there are some people that are like, wow, the team, I don't know how, but they seem screwed over a B and things like that. And, you know, this is just who this guy is. Like this is, this is yeah. why it's such an issue and why I don't believe he'll ever play in the NFL again now is because yeah. th- he's been with, think of the coaching staffs he's been with, like yeah. let's forego the Raiders situation, but like Belichick right. and Arians and Mike, Mike Tomlin, Tomlin. Yeah. <laughs> like, those are probably like three of the best situations. I mean, in terms of like people and relatability and like being, pl- you know, even Belichick, who wouldn't be described as a player's coach, right. but like people go there and buy into the culture, you know what I mean? Yeah. And he, you know, that's like, and obviously that situation, he never really sure. got a chance to fit there. But the two biggest indications are this and the Steelers. And you're talking about two coaches who are you know players coaches whatever right. that even means and, and, and the thing is it, it, even john gruden never said a disparaging word about it and antonio brown yeah. wanted him desperately i mean he saw him as a as a huge playmaker right and i know that yeah the, the, and the, everywhere the, he's going he's been slighted that's how yeah. he paints yeah. it is that yeah. i'm the slighted one and he exactly. creates the narrative for that to take place and so yeah I, I just think you know here's what i really you know on a football perspective scott the Bucs are definitely worse. Like, there's yep. no question. We can't get around that. We knew that when they signed him. We knew they were better sure. football, a football team with them there. We didn't know how the other stuff would play into it. And, John, to and this day, I, I think there are still players that they're so close to the playoffs and the Super Bowl, they would love to put up with AB's antics for a couple more weeks. Right? I'm sure that there are some Buccaneers out there that probably feel that way. That, oh, I'm that, sure that, that they wish they could wave a magic wand and, and not have yeah. what transpired happen because they know that that they're they're not going to be as as good of an offense without it. Right, but here's the thing: hundred percent believe that if it hadn't happened Sunday, it would have happened this week in practice. It would have happened. It was going right. to happen. That's the thing. Exactly. You're not talking about a one incident guy with a. You're talking about a taking time bomb. You wrote that today. Right. Two point conversion. I think it's spot on. Like that's exactly what it is. It was going to happen at some point. Um, it was. It was just. It was going to happen, and and it was going to happen because this is who AB is. This is the decisions he makes. These are the bet that he makes the lion, yeah. and so that was going to happen at some point, whether it was this Sunday or not. So I, I don't disagree with you that some players are like, "Wow, yeah, he really helped our football team." Everybody knows that. Arians knows that. If you ask him, like that's obviously that's right. going to hurt. You know, he would he rather play Brashad Perryman or Antonio Brown? I'd rather play Antonio Brown, and everybody would yeah. rather see him out there. I do think players are going to understand why the situation happened. You know, as it happened, we've already. Yeah, you know, d- done some digging, talked to some players, and I think that there's a general consensus from what we've heard among some players is is that like this 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 was not totally surprising to right, everybody exactly. in terms of they just sense that at some point this it might get to this point and how bad it would get and how quickly it would get bad we don't know but um, that's that's a big part of this too and I think that the on field part of it is something that we're going to talk about for sure for the rest of this podcast, probably for a lot of it. And we'll talk about Brady and Sorrel Grayson and some of the better stories too, but off the field, man, like I fully believe, and I think this matters that the bucks have one of the highest character, best locker rooms in football. I really believe that. And, and John, it, and now it there's actually, no asterisks. And I like yeah, that. Exactly. It, it is going to say it actually got better with, yeah. without AB in it for that reason, because mm-hmm. you, you kind of have to walk around on eggshells with this guy. Uh, maybe not the players, maybe not as teammates, but some of the coaches for sure, right? And some of the staff members because because of, of the guy's attitude. And yeah. you know, and uh, uh, now I don't think there's there's any more of that. I think for the entire building, 
there's probably a sense of, of, of a bit of a freeing feeling from this um, just because you didn't know when the, the time bomb was going to go off. Right. That was the right. thing. It's like you got to walk on eggshells. You got to say the right things. You got to treat him a certain way. Um, I mean, listen, even Bruce Arians called the guy a diva a couple of years ago. Now, did he want him on team? Yeah, because he's a good diva. Mm-hmm. Right. And he served his purpose and he served his role. That's how it is. William Butler, we appreciate that super chat uh, very much. Um, uh, listen, and, and Francisco asked, as AB uh, being officially released, when is it official? It'll be official when the team decides it, uh, it to, to be. Uh, there's no timetable. They can do whatever they want or they can not do it at all. Uh, they can just simply put them on the suspended reserve list, carry them the rest of the season. Um, yeah. He won't carry count against the roster. So eventually they're going to need that roster spot and it, to – bring up a player, maybe a running back. We'll talk about those injuries in just a second, John, but, right. but um, it's, it's up to Jason light and, and Bruce Arians when they do it. I suspect that, that they have to kind of look at the situation and say, okay, well, you know, is there an ankle injury? I mean, Bruce Arians, it was even today kind of saying that there really wasn't an ankle injury. Um, yeah. I mean, at least not to the point. Was that, interesting. Yeah. Like he was saying, at least that Brown wasn't expressing that to him on the sideline that like, Oh, I'm, my ankle's right. acting up and I can't go back in the game. He said that was never right. taught. He, he said, Brown never, he said unequivocally interrupted the question yeah. to say, no, absolutely. No. He never said that he was injured on the sideline. Like that never was communicated to me on yeah. the sideline by anybody in this conversation. So yeah. that feels like that, that checks out based on the things we were talking about earlier about him running around and all that stuff and the way he was yeah. playing. And also, it checks out because like, obviously if you're AB's camp, you got to go back and like find a narrative that works here. And, you yeah. know, after this all, uh, this, this all blows up and we'll see. I mean, I, I think the biggest thing is people are searching for like logic in this pro Like why did AB leave the field then? I don't know right. that it, ha- it's going to make sense. AB did things that didn't make sense. His whole exit Correct. from Pittsburgh, like made yeah. no logical sense. There was nothing yeah. he, in his mind, he John. felt like people were out to get him. And it's, that's, I, you're right. You're right. And I, I, I don't know what was said between Arians and NAB. And honestly, I don't care. The, he, he had no right to, to act the way he did and quit on yeah. this team because ultimately that's what he did. Right. Those are his actions. He has to own that. And, and I don't care if he was benched the rest. There are, there are plenty of ways to handle things and how you handle things in life is, is everything. Mm-hmm. And um, because you're going to get some bad news, you're going to get some news you don't want to hear or whatever. And a lot of the times it's um, sometimes it may not be in, in, in the manner the which something right. is said or the phrasing or whatever. Sometimes you just need to hear it and you need to, to be able to an adult about it and handle it the right way and, yep. and not be a child and take off your jersey and wave to the crowd and put on a big mm-hmm. show. But as you said, right. John, that's A.B. Yeah, that's and it's exactly it. And people trying to find mm, doesn't smell or it doesn't make sense. It's not it's not going to like he yeah. Uh, it's just telling you he's not he's not he doesn't operate in that way. Like it doesn't have to make sense for it to be right. true that it happened with him. And so that's where we're at. Common Sense asked a good question here, and we'll move to, to this part of the show now. John and Scott, uh, one he wanted to know basically, do we oh, have sorry. any like thoughts about like the replacing AB and can the offense change without many weapons left? This is where it gets totally interesting, Scott, to talk about this because Bruce Aaron's offense has kind of always existed with a lot of like talent at wide receiver. And now he's got three tight ends that two of them have kind of underachieved this season. Bright had a good catch the other day. Hopefully he's moving in the right direction. Gronkowski was outstanding uh, yesterday. I mean, one of his best games of the year, no question about it. Um, Those guys are kind of like now this, the strong position and running back and wide receiver are totally depleted after leading the way for most of the season. 
Totally depleted. Um, and I, I personally believe this, and this is where we'll start the discussion because Mike Evans is like the key figure here, right? Like he's the guy, he's the guy that's left. Arians, good news with him today. He said, Evans said he felt great today. So no, it didn't seem like anything got worse yesterday when he played. And so hopefully he's good to go now and, and uh, we'll see how he practices this week and everything. But it uh, didn't seem like he aggravated anything with the hamstring, which is big because they need him. But here's what's so important, Scott. Mike Evans, and I get the final drive and it worked and I'm glad. Yep. It worked in the final job, but it worked against the freaking Jets, and it's right. not going to work in the playoffs. If you just say, oh, Mike Evans is going to get double covered, we'll throw to Cyril Grayson and Tyler Johnson and Rashad Perryman, yeah. that's just not going to work. I'm sorry, right. it's not going to happen. They so, don't have the track record. Exactly right, and here's why the loss of Godwin and Brown, in my opinion, hurts from an on-field perspective more than the, the loss of Evans because those guys can move all over an offense. Yes. And you can get them away from double teams and you can scheme them touches and you can do all of those things. But what Evans does best is going to be getting vertical and yep. you can take that away easier as an opposing defense right. than you can take away things that Chris Godwin and Antonio Brown do. So in my opinion, it wasn't just that they lost two of their best three wide receivers, but it was that they lost their two most versatile. Yeah, it's let's the kind find of you touches. Yeah, let's lost, find yeah. you production receivers where you don't have that as much with Mike Evans to the same degree. Now, yep. what are they going to do, Scott? That's my question to you. What do they do? Do they continue to say, "All right, Mike Evans, you're going to be what you you're going to keep doing exactly what you've doing, done, and we're not going to change anything about your role, yeah. and everybody else is going to step into these other roles, and we'll figure out ways to get them touches." And if you get double covered, we're going to go play this, these other guys. Or are they going to say, no, to heck with that. We're not doing that. We're moving you around, Mike Evans. We're going to get you the football, and you're going to be our guy still, no matter what. We're going to put you in the slot. We're going to ask yeah. you to do crazy things you've never done before. What do they do? <laughs> what do you think happens? You know, I, I, I like the fact that if the Bucks have to do that, Mike can do that. Because it was Mike Evans and the Miracles for the first couple of years uh, in his career, Vincent mm -hmm. Jackson, of course, was the Bucks' Dallas yard receiver, and then Mike Evans was drafted in 2014. But then Vincent Jackson was just getting a little long in the tooth, and and and, and quickly Evans asserted himself in that second year in 2015 as as the Bucks' top weapon. And then Vincent Jackson, I believe, left after the the next year, uh, got injured, and it was basically done. And Chris Godwin didn't come along until 2017, and even Godwin wasn't Chris Godwin as a rookie. So. I think that that the Bucks are are used to, or I should say, Mike Evans is used to playing that role of, you know, get Mike twelve targets a game because he's been in that role. So I, I feel comfortable in the fact that he's used to that. There are some limitations in this offense, though, especially with what you're saying regards to uh, to Evans being um, a different body type with different skill set. And, and I think this offense lends itself a little bit better to Chris Godwin types and Antonio Brown types with, with the, the type of routes that are run, et cetera, in a way, in the way the defenses can also defend and take away Evans, which we've seen. Yeah, I, I have said, and, and I'm, I'm going the long way around to answer your question because I really don't have a great answer, to be honest. I'm, I'm curious as, <laughs> as to see how Byron Leftwich yeah. is going to come up with this. And he's really going to earn his paycheck. Not that he hasn't already, but listen. Mm -hmm. When you've got the, the the embarrassment of riches in your your offensive arsenal, it makes coaching a lot easier, right? It's easier to coach yeah. stars than than average players. So yeah. I'm going to be interested to see what type of chess player Byron Leftwich is in moving around these different pieces on the board. Now that he's had a couple of key pieces taken off the board, mm -hmm. but I go back to this. And I think I've said it on the podcast with you, John. I know I've, I've expressed it to our friends at WDE on our radio appearances. I go back to. This offense's ineffectiveness at the Washington game, 
right? Mm-hmm. That, that, that was a marker that stuck in my head that the Bucs scored 19 points in a 29 to 19 loss at Washington. Mm-hmm. And I've always said, this team has four big weapons, Chris Godwin, Mike Evans, Antonio Brown, and Rob Gronkowski. Mm-hmm. Bruce, Arians, Byron Leftwich, Tom Brady can function with three out of those four, right? If, if it's all four, right. look out. You're looking at a 30-point-plus game. Right. But if there's three on the field, they can still win, be very productive, and, 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 you know, and, and take it to teams. But when it's only two, that's where problems set in. Right, and that's a game yep. where they didn't have Antonio Brown, they didn't have Rob Gronkowski. Mike Evans had two catches for 62 yards and a touchdown. That was a 40-yarder late in the game that they mm-hmm. needed, but Mike Evans really didn't do much prior to that. Chris Godwin had a very pedestrian day: seven catches for 57 yards, mm-hmm. averaging 8.1 yards per catch. His longest was was 15 uh, 15-yard catch. He was targeted eight times. Evans was targeted three. Yep. So. That that to me is a game that has stuck out like a sore thumb, and guess what? That's what they're going to be faced with in Week 18 and the first round of the playoffs. That they go further is how do you deal with only two out of the big four remaining? Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that was and it, that was a game where they had Leonard Fournette too, John. Yep. And Fournette in that game was targeted nine times. He had eight catches for 45 yards. Yeah, and ran the ball for 47. So we actually and had we a don't know if he'll be back. <laughs> don't know if he'll be back. Right. We did get some good news on the running back front. Giovanni Bernard, Bruce Arians said we didn't know if he'd be back this season, to be honest. But Bruce yeah. Arians said today, unprompted, that he has his fingers crossed for Bernard to maybe get activated this week yeah. and play this week. I don't know if it happens this week, but even if it doesn't, let's just say it doesn't happen this week. It seems reasonable to, to assume he'd probably be back for the first round of the playoffs, which, right. again, is big. Now, I will say this. Le'Veon Bell and Keyshawn Vaughn have done a great job in pass protection. That hasn't yeah. been talked about enough, yeah. but they've both been great in pass pro. Looked great yesterday. I checked the PFF grades just to make sure I didn't miss anything live, and they had graded really well in pass pro, and Vaughn has really just in general. So I think that's a big element to this too is just what they're able to do in pass protection and, and leaking out his receivers Vaughn caught both his passes Bell looked good catching two passes I mean obviously he's very unathletic at this point but it is what it is yeah. in terms of that stuff so yeah you just hope you can get by with that then the key is going to be Scott just getting away from this ridiculous pass or run first down philosophy because they you you can't keep doing this when you don't even have your your backs out there like these guys have barely played this year you can't go into games with vaughn and bell and just be like yeah we're gonna pound it like yeah on first down and because you put brady i mean brady was in so many bad situations yesterday and it was the jets and that was part of it but he just got them out of so many situations whether it was the players around him with penalties and drops or whether it was the coaches with Again, they just weren't going anywhere in the run game. Yeah, I mean, all game. One of those was Cyril Grayson's 20-yard catch on third and 20 yeah, failing. Yeah. Out, so. That was a huge play. It was. It, yeah. And another seed from Brady on that throw who was great. Yeah. And Eric Flynn brings up a good point here. Eric, we appreciate this $7 super chat a lot. He says, if Roger sits out and Brady has a monster game with his supporting cast, 350, four touchdowns, no turnovers, could he steal the MVP? I mean, I don't know if it's stealing at this point. It feels like they're yeah. they're both neck and neck to me. I mean, Brady has like over a thousand yards more than Rodgers, he and he's thrown like five, five or six more touchdowns. touchdowns. Yeah, like he's forty four years old. He's yeah. just, I just, it's ridiculous to me. I mean, again, I think Arians and Leftwich are good coaches for sure, mm-hmm. but Lafleur might be the best coach in the league. Like, I mean, they get. You can look at the numbers. They have yep. they, the numbers say like the average distance of a defender from a receiver. For, for Green Bay is like they're in Kansas City or like the top two teams in the league. And the Bucs are, you know, in the top 10 maybe, but they're like ninth or something like that. And they just scheme people open constantly. Like Rodgers, yeah. 
people are like, oh, he only has four picks, and that is good. Like, I mean, Rodgers is not going to put right. the ball in harm's way a lot, but he's put the ball in harm's way just as much as Brady has this season. Brady's just had the worst turnover luck ever, yeah. and Rodgers – I mean, he's had absurd yes. turnover luck, and Rodgers has not. And so, yeah, th- look, they're just going to go out by the box score, and we'll see how it shakes out. I really don't know. Both guys yeah. are probably deserving with how they've played. That's how these things go. Yeah, and, we'll and the thing is, it. is you know, if if the Buccaneers had won like ten games and the Packers had won thirteen, and you could point to the fact that Rodgers led his team to three more victories, I mean, maybe that's fine. But they've got one more victory, right? Yeah, if one more. one more victory. He's got a thousand, uh, I think, eleven hundred uh, yards less, five yeah. less touchdowns. I mean, I'm I'm a huge Aaron Rodgers fan. I I like yeah. the guy. I've appreciated his game for a long time. He's an outstanding competitor. Yeah. One of the best throwers and quarterbacks. Oh yeah, he, he's, he's made some he's great good. plays this year. But right. But, but even if you ask PFF, like who should win it? There, I mean, if you go by that for quarterback grading, yeah. they won't even there will be no qualms for them in terms of like Brady's graded higher for them all season long. Right. And he's also leads their wins above replacement too. He's the top player in the league in terms of without. In, in other words. Without him, this team would be this much worse. You know, he's like the yeah. leader in, in that category, which obviously should matter when we're talking about most valuable player. So yeah. do I think Rodgers will win it? Maybe at this point, sure. Yeah. Um, but it's going to be really close. And you we'll know, see it's going to be interesting, right? Because there's, there's obviously, you know, with, with Aaron Rodgers and his situation with with uh, with COVID earlier this year, right? That, that was a little bit of a, of a of a spark, you know, in the national media, right. Just because of, of the controversy around, uh, you know, him not being forthcoming with it regarding his vaccination status. So there's, yeah. there's that little asterisk there. Then there's also the asterisk of Brady fatigue, right? He's 22 yeah. years in the league, you know, uh, unless you're a Buccaneer fan or a Tom Brady fan or a Patriots fan, you're probably sick and tired of, of Tom Brady, you know, right now, right. just because like people want to, they always want to see what's next, what's up and coming, you know, and this guy's still doing it and still better than the Patrick Mahomes and the Joe Burrows and, and all of this, uh, you know, type of stuff right now. That has to matter at some point in this MVP conversation. The fact that he's 44 playing at this level. Now, if he, was, if he was statistically <laughs> behind people, then like I would, I would say, okay, we got to chill. Like it, it ma- it's cool, but it doesn't make him an MVP. But the fact yeah. that he's statistically ahead of everyone, and 44 years old like that is i mean he made probably four throws that he he had four big time uh, throws yeah. for pff in, in yeah. just of passes 20 yards or more in the yeah. last game like, i mean like the, that that sideline throw to uh to grayson on third and 20 yeah. the ridiculous throw down the down the, the shoot to to gronkowski in that window yeah, was, that was was just crazy right. the 33 yard dart to to grayson to win the game with 15 right. seconds left. I mean, yep. it's just crazy, you know. Uh, right. We appreciate all these super chats. Uh, Matthew, $5. B.A., Gruden, and Tomlin are all players' coaches. The Pats, not so much. We have four bad franchises, and all four are wrong. He left his team while in battle. Listen, um, the, the people that are in A.B.'s camp, you're going to be in A.B.'s camp, and, and this guy can do no wrong. I get it. Okay, I do. I, I get you. I don't. But you can <laughs> – well, I mean – you. I, I I don't. I don't agree with you, but if that's <laughs> right. your opinion. I, you I understand that those people yeah. exist. Yeah, you're entrenched in that battle, and and you're going to die on that hill, and that's fine. But guys, AB is not coming back. You can flood social media all you want. You can say the Bucks need to do this or they should have done that. It doesn't matter. He's gone. He's gone, and he's right. gone from his from, of his own volition because he didn't have to handle that situation the way that he did. Right. Period. So, how does this team move forward? Like, that's the real question here, and. I'm not sure what the answer is with Mike Evans, but I think that what they decide to do is probably going to determine how this thing goes along with how Mike Evans plays. Like 
He has yeah. never been a versatile player. He has a defined skill set and he does that yeah. thing, those things very well. Like, but he's never been a player who's going to move around, run the entire, like run every single. And now he, he has become more of that player under Arians. They have done a good right. job of saying, we are going to do this a little bit with you, but when they have their full complement of talent, they are pretty content to say, okay, if, if you're going to get doubled all game, we're going to go to Chris Godwin or we're going to go to AB or we're right. going to go to Gronk or we're going to go to the backs underneath. That's how they've coached this whole season. And that's how they coached last season for the most part as well. They just said, okay, if that's what's going to happen, we're going to go to our other guys. And late in the game yesterday, that's what they did. And it worked yeah. against the Jets. And I just don't think it's going to work against better teams when they get into the playoffs, Scott. So they need to figure out what that's going to look like. Are those other guys, like you said, AB's not coming back. Chris Godwin's not walking through that door. Right. So you have to figure out how you're much of a focal point you want to make Mike Evans. Are you going to use him yeah. like the Packers do Devontae Adams and things like that? I mean, he's not that kind of player after the catch, sure. which which does inhibit this thing. You're not going to be able to get productive offense by getting Mike Evans manufactured touches. You can do that. Right. I mean, like screens and smokes and, and, and quick hitters, things like that. Um, you could do that with Godwin and with AB. It's not yeah. going to work with Mike Evans if you try right. and do that stuff. So. Yeah, it's, I, it's going to be very it's, it's going to test their is. creativity with with Mike Evans to see what they do. It is. And, and the thing is, is I don't think the Bucks offense is is that particularly creative. I, the, mo the most creative I've seen the Bucks play calling been all season long was the first drive of, of the Giants game. I about fell out of my chair. I was losing my mind. Right. <laughs> When they, when they did a an end around to Mike and an end around to Chris, you know, then they went up tempo. Yeah. You're, you're throwing RPO to Bright. I mean, you know, a play action touchdown pass mm -hmm. to a wide receiver screen, which is a new wrinkle yeah. to Chris Godwin, uh, with Bright out there blocking at the five yard line. I mean, I was blown away. I'm like, where's mm -hmm. this been, and why can't we see more of this? Right. right. I, I give Byron Leftwich all the credit in the world for that drive. I just want to see more. So yeah. maybe they do have to 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 get a little bit more gimmicky like that. And you know what? I've got no problem with gimmicks. Right. I mean, sure. look at the, the Braxton Berrios touchdown down yeah. by the goal line. It counts. It counts right. just as much as the the four yard fate to Mike Evans. Right. That touchdown's a touchdown. So if you got to yeah. be gimmicky and, and outsmart some people, go for it right. rather than and, just trying to win straight up and, and do look, it old school. You know, that's a big part of this, Scott. You're spot on because it's a huge part of this. The Packers do that kind of stuff. They are, you Absolutely. know, they'll rely. I'm just sorry, not just just the Packers. Let's go outside of that. The Chiefs, a lot of the top offense in the NFL. That's whether right. it's screen, whether it's the screen game and being complicated with the screen game and, and and the Bucks can do that they can do they they've done that we haven't seen as much of it recently in terms of the backs and the in the tight ends especially right but they they showed they pulled that out in the playoffs they hit some you know the, the I think of the screen to Gronk that was a huge play in the end of the Packers game Agreed. set up a, a, yeah. a few goal late in that game I think that was well, a huge and, play so and, and speaking of that Packers game I mean as as big of a play as the touchdown was to Scotty Miller right mm -hmm. that little uh, end around toss to Chris Godwin on the last play of the game to pick up that mm -hmm. key first down was yeah. something the Packers weren't expecting I wasn't expecting right. it. Yeah, they have stuff in their repertoire that they're going to have to pull out now. But you have to lean on tools more than players. Like that's exactly. going to be so important. Yes. Whether it's play action, whether it's motion, uh, getting guys the ball quickly out, off the snap, getting the ball out of Brady's hands quickly. Because if you start to run a ton of downfield, low, slow developing routes with the receivers at your disposal right now, it's just not going to go in your favor all the time. Yeah. And so they need to be able to mix up all of those ideas and and and. We're going to get to the run game in a second, but have those be effective enough and use them on early downs. You got to go play action on early downs and stop right. getting in second and third and long because it works against the Jets. Yeah. Okay, but it's not going to work against the Saints type of, That's right. you know, it's not going to work against those 
Cowboys are, I think, are the number one pass defense in the league right now, and the rushers that they have. And mm-hmm. even Green Bay's got a, got several guys they can get to the – they got four guys they can get to the quarterback. And yeah. Philadelphia, I mean, Philadelphia has four or five guys. Let's talk about – because Philadelphia yeah. is the team we're looking right? – I mean, that's right. the team that – Tampa Bay is, I think, 80% chance that they face Philadelphia, according to ESPN's right. FPI model, which is pretty good. And honestly, when you run through all the scenarios, it's like, yeah, they're, they're most likely – to face the Eagles in the playoffs. That, it makes right. the most sense that's going to happen. Whether it happens as the two seed or the three seed, they could face them as both. Um, the Eagles is the six or seven. That both could yep. happen. So when you think about that, you think about how the Eagles defend. Yeah, they're going to make you go underneath. That's They are like uh, absurdly obsessed with the preventing big plays, like probably more right. than any defense in the league. And so that's where it would be so helpful to have a Godwin and AB, and you don't have those guys now. So you well, have to change. And also, too, John, Leonard Fournette, right? Because yep. if you're forced to throw the ball underneath and check it down because of, of what they're trying to do with with the back end uh, in terms of, of cover two or you know two-man, yep. um, th- then you, you've got to have a competent pass catching back. And you know what? I was encouraged to see Keyshawn Vaughn catch two of his three targets yesterday. Right. I mean, I'm, you know, I've been a guy that's been critical of his pass catching. You have too, but – you know, all we're doing is taking snapshots, John, right? If right. you have a bad game, we take a snapshot, we talk about it. If you have a great game, we take a snapshot and talk about it. That's it. So if you don't like uh, the last picture we took, right. then take another one and, and we'll talk about that. And, and Cyril Grayson's a, a prime example. And, you know, the one thing that I will say about this is Tom Brady, and you go back and look, and I'm no, I'm no um, you know, Bostonian, and, and I'm not a, a Patriots um um, you know, purveyor of, of their mm-hmm. football lore and their history with Tom Brady. It's probably, probably need to have Mark Schofield back on and kind of talk about Brady dealing with, <laughs> with, 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 uh, receivers, it, yeah. you know, that, that are kind of unheralded because, um, you know, he has, he's had his Troy Browns, he's had his Randy Moss, he's had the, the, the Edelman's, you know, and, and the West Walkers, but there's also been in a couple of, of key games, some unheralded guys that have stepped up and made plays. And I think what's encouraging for the Buccaneers heading into the playoffs is you've got Brashard Perriman with the walk-off touchdown against the Buffalo Bills, someone who you can at least point to and say, all right, he's been there and done that. We might not see it you know, this week or next week or whatever, but at some point in time, he's he's made some plays. And listen, I was, I was down on Tyler Johnson yesterday after mm-hmm. dropping that touchdown on the drive that led to the field goal instead of, of the, the touchdown. Um but he kind of redeemed himself in my eyes, hauling in three or four targets for about 40 yards, including a key 27 yarder to get across midfield. And, and what that did for the Buccaneers that didn't have any timeouts is the closer you get to the end zone, the further, or I should say the, the closer the offensive linemen have to run to the line of scrimmage. Right. So it, you conserve some time that way. Right. So the fact that Grayson has made some big plays for Brady, the fact that Perriman's made some big plays for Tom Brady, I don't think we've maybe seen the last of Scotty Miller. He's got a history that Brady can dig into from last year, the big catch in New Orleans, the big touchdown at Green Bay. That's interesting. There's enough players that have made plays for Brady where Brady has helped make these guys. And that's kind of my point is is Brady has helped make these guys. And so they have Gronk and they've got Evans. It's just a matter of finding the hot hand, whether it's Perryman like it was against Buffalo, whether it's Grayson like it was yesterday. Maybe Scotty Miller has his turn on, on the mm-hmm. on the, the wheel of fortune wide receiver wheel, you know, coming right. up. We'll have to see. Yeah, we will. I, I don't know what's gonna, you know, I don't even know Rashad Perryman's role now. Is he just strictly behind those those Evans Grayson? And you know, I don't know. He played eleven snaps yesterday, but he could have been because he came off that COVID list. And so maybe he yeah. wasn't 
all the way back, or I don't know. Um, but the you know, eleven snaps for him. You know, when the other guys, I think Grayson played forty-seven, Johnson forty-nine, Evans fifty-six, I believe. So even Evans only yeah. played about seventy something. Yeah, this is kind of what I'm talking about here. And again, I'm I'm no Patriots historian, but you know, they don't beat the Jaguars in twenty seventeen without Danny Amendola in the game. Um, you know, who they were without, yeah. I guess, Gronk and Edelman that game. So that, that's what I mean. Brady has a history of leaning on these unheralded guys like he did yesterday. Mm -hmm. There's no reason to think that can continue in the playoffs. Uh, this the Brady yeah. magic can, can continue. I, I agree. I mean, I think this scheme is different, and that's the first thing people got to understand. Like when you talk about things Brady's done in the past with players who weren't that great at receiver you have to understand the differences in scheme. The Patriots did other things well with those guys, but to be honest, they didn't do a lot of the big play, a lot of the things that this Bucks offense is built on in some of those years where he had lesser talents at receiver. When he had those talents at receiver, Brandon Cooks and Randy Moss, they made tons of plays down the field. Right. So it just it really depended on your personnel. What New England did so well was they just adapted to whatever personnel they had. That's why they changed their offense so many times while Brady was in New England and why it was so silly when people were like, oh, I don't know if Brady can run Bruce Aaron's mm -hmm. offense. He can run any offense once he learns terminology. Right. No question about that. <laughs> so I think that's going to be the key for people to understand here. It's we're going to go back to the past a lot and say, oh, Brady won it with these guys. And I get it. I don't think Brady needs to start to, you know, I, but I think in this scheme, it matters like this is a different offense and so in this offense it's way more scheme related than brady related in my opinion mm -hmm. um you yeah. get in a game like the saints yeah like you need talent to win the game no matter who you know it's it's gonna be a tough matchup if you're playing with danny amendola like and you're the right. chris hogan and you're the patriots That's right because you need talent to be able to against a team that can man cover with with four guys you know right. that, that no most teams can't do that and the bucks probably won't see a team that can do that in the playoffs or will do that in the playoffs so that kind of take that out of the equation. I'm just saying schematically, the Bucks are going to have to change some things because it doesn't really matter for Brady, but it's going to matter for his options. Like his options only are what they are in a given play. And if two of the guys on the field, you know, are guys that have a history of kind of route running mistakes and and don't, you know, we saw route running mistakes yesterday from a lot of players. And the one thing about Godwin and AB is that they just don't make those mistakes. Like right. those, there's two of the smartest football players in the league and the most reliable, consistent football players in the league. It's hard to say that about the other guys that are out there right now for the Bucks and the way they yeah. played the season, you know. And so I think that's where it really matters moving forward is how many more self-inflicted mistakes I'm going to go through and show. And Bucks briefing on Wednesday, I'm going to go through mm -hmm. and show y'all how many self-inflicted mistakes that the Bucks had in this game, and yet Brady overcame them. You know, right. wasn't just the penalties, but I'm talking about route running stuff, yep. drops, things like that. Hard to continue to overcome those when you face better teams that are going to give you less opportunities than the Jets. Right. So again, but I'm not saying it's not impossible. I'm just painting the picture for people to understand sure. the context compared to past Brady teams, yeah. and the onus being way more on the coaching staff, in my opinion, oh, than yeah. on Brady. Like yeah, Brady is the one I'm not worried about the variable. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I wouldn't say I'm even. I wouldn't say yeah. I'm worried about the coaching staff, Scott. It's just this is a totally new uncharted territory. For Correct. Them. And it's gonna, right on the brink have of to be more creative. Yeah. going forward because their standard of we're going to out talent you their talent's been cut in half the wide receiver position now and um, maybe they try to move mike evans all over the place and they say we're so committed to making you do uh, like yeah. we're, you're going to be our guy and he just can't do it and maybe he just right. is, he's just terrible at it and well, it, then it, okay they did what yeah. they had they tried something to get their best playmaker the ball and it just didn't work the guy that they had left and it just didn't work he didn't he didn't deliver and then you know okay these are evans limitations i mean yeah yeah you know, well, maybe the, that's the, one, the case 
the one thing too is we're limited only by you guys out there not clicking the subscribe button and getting us to 7,000. We're over 6,500 now, thanks to you guys that have. So if you are watching this yeah. show, whether it's live or whether it's on the podcast version, and you haven't subscribed to Peter Report, it's free. Like all you do is hit right. the subscribe button. That's a good right. Peter Report TV on YouTube. Hit the subscribe button. Then when you're there, make sure you click the like button for all of our videos. We greatly appreciate that. It helps out our algorithm for YouTube and gets more. Uh, Buccaneer fans in front of the Peter Report podcast to get this this insight and analysis that we feel you don't find anywhere else. John, to your point about Mike Evans, especially in the red zone, and I think that Byron Leftwich needs to understand his piece as well and what's going to happen and have some anticipation, right? Chris Godwin is a red zone threat, right? We know that Mike Evans is because yeah. he's got the touchdowns to prove. He's got 12 touchdowns. He had 13 last year. Right. He's the preferred yeah. weapon when it comes to the red zone. So now without an AB, without – a, uh, a Chris Godwin, uh, this is the guy that Tom Brady trusts that they're going to have to really rely on oh, yeah. because he's not going to get the double coverage. He's going to get single coverage. And we know that even when he's single covered, like that catch yesterday, uh, he had a, a defender blanketed all over him, and Brady put the ball right where Brady needed it, which was right in the gut, right between the eight and the four, mm -hmm. and Brady held on to it for the, a key fourth down touchdown. If they don't get that touchdown, they don't have enough time to, to get the ball back without points on the board in that situation and win the game. That was a huge play by Cam Brait. We've seen Brait step up. He has not had a great year. You and I are both right. in agreement about that. But it, but we've seen Cam step up when it matters most, especially in the playoffs last year. That that touchdown mm -hmm. to Green Bay or at Green Bay, yeah. the, the four catches for 80 yards against Washington, that was, a, one, was yeah. a, yep. a, a pleasant surprise. Yep. No, you're right. No question about it. Cam Brady is a key figure. I'll talk about another key figure in a second. I want, and I'll get to Robert super chat here in a second too. I want to address this real quick. Callie bucks. John wasn't here in 2016 or 2018. Evans needs to show up also. So John can witness a one of a kind receiver. I do respect that Callie. And I, I obviously, I watched uh, a ton of tape of my whole, you know, the, all those years. And so I've seen Evans, you know, especially in those years, and I've seen the kind of dominance that you're talking about. And I will just say this, since that time, you have seen a dramatic shift in the NFL in taking away big plays down the field. At that point in time, almost everybody was playing a ton of single eye coverage. So outside receivers had one-on-ones all game. The shift in coverage has changed things, which is why Arian's arrival in Tampa Bay, in my opinion, and the involvement of Godwin has been able to, in a lot of ways, keep alive the Evans streak of a thousand yard sure. seasons. Obviously, he's good at what he does. There's no yep. question about that. But what he does in volume usually doesn't happen against most teams in the way that they cover, especially against the Bucs these days. And so John, they've got to take advantage of those opportunities when Evans has them. He's yeah. also, they've made him more versatile. He's played in the slot some more. But I think the big thing the Bucs fans need to understand when they're like, Evans got to be the guy going back to when he was the only receiver in this offense. He was the, the clear-cut only number one guy, and he did everything. Well, coverages are different in today's NFL than they were even four else five, is different, six John? years ago, and that matters too. The quarterback was different. Who was the quarterback in 2016 to 2018? I would have been one James, James Winston. Winston. Right. Yeah. So what did Winston do that Tom Brady does not do? Winston threw jump balls. Tom Brady does not throw 50-50 balls. He really doesn't. Why? I tried you yesterday. But. Well, he, yes, but what I'm saying is, <laughs> is, is, is yeah. he does not throw the high it's volume. Of it. yeah. It's not efficient. Exactly. They're called 50-50. He doesn't want that percentage, even though you've got a six foot five guy that can elevate like Evans right. and, and make some ESPN highlight reel catches to go viral on social media. Right. That's what Buck fans are used to. But the problem is, for every one of those plays, how many interceptions did Winston throw? 
right? Mm -hmm. Those weren't on the highlight reel for Mike Evans. Those were on the low light reel for Jameis Winston, right? Yep. You don't remember those plays, but I do because I covered this guy every single game he's played in since entering the league in 2014. Yeah. And, Mike and, Evans and, right. caught a lot of big-time catches and big-time touchdowns by going up and getting it. The problem is the only time Brady feels confident throwing those balls is the four- and five-yard variety down there, like what you saw on the Jets game. Those, those little uh, back shoulder fades and those types of things in the red zone. You're just not going to see Brady chuck the ball up 50 yards down the field like Jameis Winston did and pray that, that Mike Evans comes down with it, especially, John, like you said. Now it's not one-on-one. Now you've got a safety and yeah. a cornerback. What you won't see is him throw it when the safety is looming. You won't see right. that. I actually right. kind of – I'll disagree and say that I think when he gets one-on-ones with Evans, he's throwing it up. We oh, saw yes. it yesterday. I yes. mean, but, he'll take those shots. But so. not with the regularity that Jameis Winston did because so sure. many times Jameis was banking on Evans, bailing him and the Bucks out of, of, a, of a drive mm -hmm. and being risky. And that's why that's why this team, you know, this team got rid of James Winston. The thirty-one touchdowns, the thirty picks. So yeah. many of those picks were on passes going to Evans, and, and Evans was at fault for some of them, but he wasn't on others. Yeah, and I think it's going to be. I mean, Brady's going to give Evans, I think, a lot of chances to be the guy. I really I believe that he is if if he gets single coverage. But again, if Evans is doubled, you're not putting any <laughs> double coverage. You're just not very right. often. So that's a smart that's play. Where, that's exactly where the what Brady did in. yesterday. Right. Zero targets for Mike Evans, zero targets for Rob Gronkowski. Why? Because the Jets wisely rolled coverage their way. That's why Tyler Johnson was one-on-one -on -one so much. Mm -hmm. That's why Cyril Grayson was one-on-one was -on -one down the stretch. That's why out of nine passes, five went to Grayson and four went to Johnson on that last drive. Because yep. they were the guys in single coverage. And that's why it goes back to, I think, what the coaching staff does is, is just so important with Evans. That's going to be the yep. determiner here. Ben, I, I know you want to know about the film um, and the run blocking on film. I haven't gotten to the All-22 yet. I will start watching it tonight. So um, while I'm watching uh, Ben Roethlisberger's last home game in Hinesville, <laughs> 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 probably if I can stomach it, we'll see how it goes. But, um, but I will start watching that tonight, and I'll get a look at it, and maybe I'll have something in Buck's briefing about it because it's been a problem the last couple of weeks, no question. Mm -hmm. Um, they need to get way more consistent in the run game. It's just not been there. Um, and so we'll discuss it again for sure. Um, I want to talk about one guy, though, Giovanni Bernard. If he's coming back, you mentioned Cam Braid is a guy that needs to step up. And I agree they're going to be playing more 12 personnel, I'm sure. Uh, yeah. It's just going to be the way things go for them. And they need him to be a guy that wins one-on-one -on -one against the lower-level right. matchups that he's going to get. The other guy, I think, is Giovanni Bernard. Yeah, totally. And why I think Arian's saying that he might be back soon is a low key kind of a we big need deal him. for this team. Yeah, because <laughs> yeah. I think if this offense is going to step more into what they need to be now, I just think he's a big part of that because yeah. you have a guy in Giovanni Bernard who could step into the slot and he can do some of those things that they're asking him to do and and he can run some routes from the slot and he can he's a more versatile piece in terms of being a receiver than what you're going to get from anybody else. I mean, Leonard Fournette's probably going to ask to be asked to do some of those things too. But and Le'Veon Bell, you know, he is what he is as an athlete, but he does have that experience. And so, you know, we'll see. I don't know if he's going to be a part of the equation or not, but I think Bernard at the very least could be part of the equation in terms of how do we manufacture offense yeah. without some of our get the ball to this guy's hand so he can make something happen after sure. the catch. They just don't have that. Like, how, where do the smoke I, screens go? Is it Tyler Johnson? Like, 
I, I, I jogged your memory about that that Bucks Washington game, right? <clears throat> uh, in terms of of how the Bucks worked with only two receivers, right? They're, they're two big guns, Godwin mm-hmm. and Evans. They were without AB and Gronkowski that game. I'm going to jog your memory again, going back to another loss. Sorry, I don't want to dwell on the on the losses here, but the 34 to 24 loss at Los Angeles. Go back to that game. <clears throat> Remember the impact Giovanni Bernard had in the fourth quarter. He was targeted nine times more so than any Buccaneer. Uh, actually, I take that back. He was targeted 10 times. He had nine catches for 51 yards, including a touchdown. He had a 32-yard uh, catch and run on a screen and, and also scored a touchdown where he ended up getting hurt in that, in that play. Mm-hmm. But my point is, is you know, that that's that's the only time we've really seen an extended dose of Giovanni Bernard. It shows you what he can do. It's just that we've seen Leonard Fournette in that role a little bit more often, right? But but Giovanni Bernard has that in him. We saw it in week three, and the Bucs might have to pull a similar performance like that out of Giovanni Bernard maybe this week or certainly in the playoffs. Yeah, and even this week, Scott, I mean, if they win and the Rams lose the 49ers, which they already did once this season, you know, this is a situation. And the 49ers are fighting for their playoff lives, by the way. So it's a huge game for them. And, you know, the Rams are going to be, what, the? well, I guess maybe they're fighting for, they're fighting too. So it's going to be a huge game. Yeah, Yeah, and no question. And so the Bucs, you know, they get to see. If you missed the memo earlier, we had on on PeterReport.com, the Bucs have moved the the game against the Panthers to 425 from 1 o'clock. So, Mm -hmm. right. And so that will matter for sure uh, in terms of, I think, all the playoff deciding games are in the 425 window. They just moved yep. all the meaningless ones to one, I think, right. and all the playoff ones. So uh, Robert Farmer, the $5 Super Chat. We appreciate this, Robert. You're always hitting us up for uh, so, some Super Chats, and we appreciate that. He says, I don't understand why Scotty can't get any snaps. It's odd. I'm not trying to say he's going to be the Hall of Famer, but come on. And he's saying, come on, because look who's out there. You know, like it's not like there's a lot of really talented guys. And the bottom line is that, they just believe that Tyler Johnson is a more versatile player, and they believe that uh, Cyril Grayson right now is a more versatile player. I mean, Cyril yeah. Grayson has done – he stepped into that, do some of the Godwin blocking things, and he's not been very good at it, frankly. Like, he's not right. a great blocker, but he at least they has a little bit more size, and he is physical. So he will try, you know, to do it, and maybe he gets in somebody's way, and that's the rationale. They've also just asked less of the receivers in the blocking game, which is probably smart. But um, that's part of it with Scotty. There's just – He's basically Mike Evans' backup, and as long as Evans is out there, Scotty's probably not going to play that much. And even if Evans isn't out there, you know, there's a chance Scotty's not going to play that much. You know, like against the Panthers, you know. So, um, yeah, because they they just feel like they like the other guys a little bit more right now. I also disagree. I love to see Scotty get more reps, but it's not like he's helped himself a ton the few times he's been out there either. Yeah, no, I'm with you on that. Ted Curtis, we appreciate all these super chats too, by the way. It's a great way to bring in the new year. If you haven't read our content at pewreport.com, what are you doing? Get over there. Not right now, if you're watching. <laughs> we us, got a ton. But, but we, have, we have a ton of stories up yeah. there today, including a new two-point conversion, uh, John Snap counts earlier in the day. Uh, Ted Curtis, obviously Evans and Godwin are amazing, but aren't burners like Grayson and Perryman. Are there any scheming opportunities to tap into their speed? We kind of talked about that. But the interesting thing is, is you know, AB is a guy that can separate, right, with his quickness and his start-stop ability. And he's he's got some wheels, too, even at age 33. But Perryman and Grayson, they're fast, and so is Scotty Miller. So it's it's not like the Buccaneers, you know, have got more possession guys coming in to fill these roles. I think I would I would say Tyler Johnson's more of a possession-type guy. Mm-hmm. But they do have some speed to work with. If these guys can get open, and we saw that with Grayson with a 62-yarder at Carolina, you know, uh, that's, you know, that's – that's a big play waiting to yeah. happen, is it not? Oh, it is. And Grayson's ability to bring that to the table is great. But 
that's one of the things that was encouraging about this game is that he made other plays rather than just a splash play here and there down the field, you know, but it's still big. I mean, if you can create splash plays, the problem is splash plays are less um, predictive than, especially when you're like an every, you know, every down player. Now right. it's going to be a little defenses know what you're about the key on you. They know what your game is. And so it is going to be a little bit, probably more difficult to get those. Um, but I still won't roll it out. I mean, he has good speed, and yeah. obviously, I think his awareness down the field has been really impressive. Like I said yesterday on the show, his awareness on that back shoulder throw to, for the touchdown to, to throttle down and sit there rather than run into the safety, yeah, and to know to look for the ball back shoulder while that safety's closing. I mean, if right. he doesn't do that, that ball's a you know, it's like this. Brady yeah. just laced it in there, and he knew where it was going to be, and I think that was a huge part of that play working. Yep. Um, Matt, 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 Matt wants to know, John, can you give us a review of the AB's new hit song? I don't even know if it's a hit, but uh, I know he's got a new song. I will never hear that song. I can okay. promise. I, you I won't either. I'm not, not on my playlist. No. Steve Munoz, uh, shout, uh, shout out Cam Braid for being the third all time in Bucks history for TD receptions. That's right. He is for right now. Chris Goblin's going to pass him next year. But yes, Cam Braid has been one of the best red zone threats. Light hits home runs in the draft, but signing undrafted Braid out of Harvard has been good. And I agree. I mean, that's it's a quality signing yeah. by um, by Jason Light and John Spitek. Actually, back in the day, it was John Robinson. It was who was uh, Light's um, you know top right hand man. So yeah, that's that's definitely they've had some good finds. Not just in the first round, guys like Tristan Wirfs yeah. and and, oh, and yeah. Mike Evans, okay. but but uh, you know they've they've earned their money. Um, you know, in, in some of those late round picks and then the undrafted guys. Right. Speaking and, of money, John. Oh, it's not fair too well. Uh, heading into the new year with, uh, with my bookie. Um, you know, I, I admit it. I, I went, I, I got the bucks with the points yesterday. Uh, they won, but didn't cover the spread. And, uh, and I lost big there. I was one of those people thinking that, that the, uh, the bucks would, would manhandle the under, manned jets it was it was not that way but they mm -hmm. still got to win but listen if you're looking for an easy new year's resolution make your goal to double your money and get a head start with my bookies deposit match bonus all you have to do is use the promo code pewter i think we lost scott he got booted out but all you got to do is use this promo code pewter for my bookie. You can win up to a thousand dollars first deposit bonus for my bookie. It's great stuff. It's a great opportunity to put some money in your pocket, especially here. We got the playoff games coming up, and this is going to be a good opportunity to get in there with my bookie and win some money in the playoff Sorry, games. Scott, John. I know we lost you for a second, but I know it's great when it works. Um, <laughs> but listen, with the extra dough in your account, you're ready to bet on the biggest games of the week. My bookie's got all the action. As John was talking about, don't drop the ball. Double your first deposit up to $1,000 using the promo code PEWTER. Head to my bookie, place your bets, ring in the new year with the win. Bet anything, anytime, anywhere with my bookie. Sounds like good stuff right there, Scott. And guess what? If you, if you are interested in saying, hey, I'm going to give my sound mouth and give my voice my opinion on these topics, you can jump into Spotify Greenroom. You can talk music, sports, and culture live. Download it on the App Store. Get it on Google Play. Spotify Greenroom, folks. It's really good stuff. You can check out uh, all the topics that you can get into and, and jump into over on Spotify Greenroom. And you can follow Peter Report on there as well. All right, John. Scott, they've got the Panthers looming next. They do. They have the Panthers looming, and uh, we'll see if Cyril Grayson can make it three weeks in a row. If you remember, his coming out party was kind of against the Panthers just a couple weeks ago, right? They beat the Panthers 
uh, 32 to six. Crazy that he's had a 50 yard touchdown against the Saints, a 62 yard catch in, against the Panthers, yeah. uh, which I thought was hilarious, by the way, before the game against the Jets, <laughs> he tweeted out game day today, excited, you know, all this stuff. Hopefully I don't get caught from behind like I did right. last week. That was so embarrassing. <laughs> like I thought I that was, he is the funniest guy. Like when he gets yeah. to the he is the most low key dude. Big like time. when he talks, he's just very low, soft spoken and kind yeah. of monotone, but then he slips in jokes like consistently. Right. He just has this great sense of humor. Yeah. I think his whole story is awesome. I think it's, oh, it is. I think it's the guy, the guy was a track star at LSU. Didn't play. Football yeah. at LSU only played it in high school. I didn't know this today in, until I looked it up, John. He's 28 years old. He's no spring yeah. chicken. He's no developmental young guy, you know, sitting on the right. practice squad. It's just yeah. taken him a while to get to this point, and the Buccaneers have been patient with him, and it's paid off, John. Right. So we'll see if he can keep it going. We'll be back on Wednesday. We're going to go at 7.30 p.m. Eastern, though. We're going to do some night pods this week. We'll have a Wednesday night, and we'll be Thursday night as well. So 7.30 p.m. Eastern. Don't look for us at 4 because we won't be here. At 7.30 p.m. Eastern on Wednesday. If you aren't, subscribe to the Pewter Report TV YouTube channel. Hit the like button on this video. Before you get out of here, please hit the like button. It helps us out a ton. Helps us out so much when you all do that. And it's so simple and easy for you all, too. That's what I love about it. And so hit that like button. Subscribe to the Pewter Report TV YouTube channel as well. Let's get up. We're, we're closing in on 7,000. We'd love yeah. to have 7,000 moving into the playoffs or even Thanks as the playoffs get underway. That'd be awesome. So appreciate y'all helping us get there for sure. It's Wednesday, 7.30 p.m. Eastern. Make sure you look out for that show. We're going to be previewing the upcoming game against the Panthers, and I'm sure there will be more news at that point to talk about as well. But also oh, yeah. look for any All-22 videos that might be dropping. We're going to try and get some so – we have some thoughts right now that we're trying to try and get out for this week, taking a look at some of the recent games and players and things like that for the Bucks. So look for the All-22 videos uh, tape uh, breakdowns to be dropping as well on the Bucks this week. So it's exciting stuff. It's fun it's stuff tough. as always. And we appreciate y'all. We'll catch you again next time on another edition of the Pewter Report Podcast. Out.